no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are a Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will break down the Week 9 defeat against the Tennessee Titans and much more. Hey, Dub, man. What the fuck, bro? <laughs> hey, all I can say is three in a row. Three in a row. I'm just going to say this. Five and four. I don't want to hear any of the positive spins from the media from Matt Nagy, from the players telling us that they're five and four. Because guess what? Three weeks ago, we were five and one, and we were in control of our playoff destiny. Right now, we're not even in playoff contention right now, A-Dub. I know, man. This looks uglier and uglier by the weeks. And um, I know we're going to get into a lot of stuff today, but man, it didn't, didn't look good today. No, I didn't like what I saw at all. And audience, uh, before we get into the meats and uh, potatoes of the episode, we wanted to recap uh, some of our keys to victory uh, that we talked about in our preview pod with Anna Lewis. Uh, and the one thing I'll say is before we get into it, A-Dub mentioned last week that we needed to stop Tannehill. A-Dub, how do you think we performed uh, when it came to Tannehill today? I thought we did a fair job on Tannehill. At times, we did what we were supposed to do. We knew the play-action fakes were coming. We shut that down. Then there were times where we gave up some big plays that hurt. Yeah, I would say this, uh, and not to get into it too much, but I would say they fared pretty well about uh, with him. They kept him in the pocket. You know, he made plays here and there, but I don't think that he killed us by uh, by any means at all. So I, no, I would he did agree not. with that. What about when it came to your second key, when you talked about getting Montgomery involved, not only in the running game, but you wanted him to be involved in the pass game too because you felt that would have had an impactful uh, approach for us in this ballgame. Yeah, that was tough to see today um, regarding Montgomery. We didn't get a lot of rushing yards out of him, and we definitely didn't get any passing yards out of him. So it was a tough night. Yeah, and then we also see that he might have uh, had a concussion there late in the game as well. So that uh, could have an impact uh, on his availability for the next game. We'll see. But I'm sure he should be entering uh, concussion protocol uh, this upcoming week. Absolutely. So my key and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it after I kind of go into it, A-Dub. But one of the things that I have brought up with Anna on our uh, preview pod was the need for us to neutralize Derrick Henry. And I said that we know that that team has success with Henry when he goes over 100 yards because they're 16-1 and one, uh, as, a, as a result of him uh, having that type of uh, uh, yardage. Right. And this ball game, though, we kept him under that. And I said that was going to be a key. And we held him to 66 yards today. And the thing that I liked about our defense, at least when it came to Henry, was our gap integrity was really strong with the line and the linebackers. What did you think when you saw that? I was very strong. I mean, Roquan, those guys were there, I mean, to put a hit on them. So I would say you're right. We actually stuffed those gaps to prevent him from getting those big yardages. Exactly. Uh, And I would just say the the other point that I had, and and I definitely want to hear what you had to say about this one. Uh, I'm going to go in on it real quick. I knew that this offensive line was going to be makeshift. We talked about it on the preview pod, how we had guys out for injury. Uh, We had guys, you know, with COVID. I mean, so it was just going to be like a a patchwork uh, unit. And I said that if the Titans were going to be able to get pressure on Foles, it was going to have to be in a game like this when we were at a disadvantage with our own line. And I thought they dialed up a lot of pressure and they kept Nick Foles uh, uncomfortable a majority of the game and also kind of locked up that running game. What did you see there? Um, first of all, our line was a total disaster today with all these changes that occurred. And for our fans, for all you all don't know what happened this past week, we had two scares of COVID, right, with guys testing positive for COVID. We had Cody Whitehurst test positive. On Tuesday, we had Jason Spriggs. As a matter of fact, Cody Whitehurst tested positive on Thursday. So we had a lot of changes that are going on to our line regarding that. 
So you, we have out there center Alex Bars, right? Who is technically a guard. He's out there filling in at center for Cody Whitehair. All right. Cody Whitehair had the calf injury. Of course, we have Mustard that's supposed to replace him. But again, we had to go to a third string with Alex Bars. Then we had right guard, you know, Jim Jermaine Fetty, who probably was, we thought we we're going to miss some time off, but didn't quite miss this week due to, again, the COVID scare. Of course, right tackle, we got Rashad Coward there, who was replacing Bobby Massey. And then we got our left guard, Arlington Hambridge, out there as well, who's very new to it. So it was a tough lineup out there. Yeah, man. And then, like I said, that's definitely something that we're going to highlight as we get into this episode. But there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of musical chairs being played with that offensive line. And let's just say uh, today they didn't get the job done. So, right. audience, we're going to get into this episode. I'm getting ready to crack open a beer. And, and A-Dub, I had some fun with our Twitter listeners today and our followers on Twitter. I took a shot today every time our defense got a three and out. So I had six shots at me earlier. And now I'm about to get up into this Kinslager, this Prohibition Hill. So uh, this is going to be a good episode because uh, Perez is feeling good right now. Don't feel good about the game, but I feel good because I got all this booze on my system right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can understand your pain there, man. You had to do what you had to do. Uh, it was a tough with those three and outs, man. I'm sorry, not just right three, three and outs, but the fact that we couldn't get no movement going, that was rough. Well, yeah, no, I mean, for me, I did the three and outs because I just love our defense so much. I mean, because they were getting those guys off the field. It's just the simple fact of the matter. If I would have done the three and outs for our offense, shit, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now. I'd be somewhere passed up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was rough for the offense. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say this, too. I mean, 24-17, and this is one thing that I, I'd say, and a lot of our listeners always say, man, why do you guys always say, you know, stats and things like that don't tell this whole story? And the reason why this final score is very deceiving, it looks a lot closer than this game actually was. Because in my opinion, when I look at the stats from this game, when I look at that score, it doesn't tell the whole story. A-Dub, this game... It was over uh, in, in the, probably in the third quarter. And we'll get into like kind of the, the our opinions of when that happened exactly and what play. But that's kind of the way I see it. What, what did you see today, uh, A-Dub, in the way of a key impactful play that you thought led to our demise? Uh, what I thought led to our demise, you want to talk about that? We can go that route. Um, it was a play that um, was gone to Montgomery, right? It was like a third and 13 play. I believe it was on Tennessee 30th yard line. It was third quarter. And with that Montgomery fumble that led to, you know, uh, King picking the ball up and running it down for 60 plus yards for a touchdown. I thought that put a 17-0. It was a tough battle to get back based upon all our woes we had the entire game. Yeah, I mean, A-Dub, that was a, a big time play because let's just, let's paint the picture for the audience on that play, right? So you got to look at that for that situation for what it was. It was a 10-0 ball game at that point in time. And we were driving and we already were in field goal range. All we had to do in that situation was just do a conservative play, right, and let Cairo Santos, who's been dealing all for majority of the season, let's put three points on the board. Let's get this down to a one-score game. But no, what is what is our quarter? Uh, what is our offensive coordinator slash head coach do? He calls a fucking pass play to our running back two yards behind the offensive line on third and thirteen. Yeah, and that was a screenplay right there, which was a bad play call from the get-go. I didn't think we'd end up with a fumble, but it was a bad, bad play call. I mean, point blank there, bro, we talk about this with this head coach. Situational football, bro. In a situation like that, you just got to get points on the board. I agree. There were a lot of situations in this ball game where we left points on the, on the, on the field. And I would say for me, the play that really, really, really pissed me off was – it was two of them. I'm going to give you guys one for right now. It was in that third quarter when we were driving. It was after it was after the, the it was a fourth and one play, and we had a false start by Leno, and mm-hmm. then we had an illegal hands to the face penalty on I think it might have been Coward. And so I just when I look at that situation, it just it was bad, man. It was bad. Actually, you know what? No, no, no. There was two situations. I I, I got that one mixed up. The play that I'm thinking about was in that third quarter when we had the back-to-back false starts. You had one by Hambrick, and then you had one by Jimmy Graham. And then they had to force a punt. So we had a four-for-one play dialed up, okay. and that was the one that really I thought yeah. that, that did us in. Because it did. As, you, as you brought up on the podcast before, this offense hasn't scored much in the third quarter in these games. And so when you look at this ball game, they had an opportunity there to drive the ball, and guess what? We shot ourselves in the foot there, A-Dub. Yeah, we did, absolutely. And that play that you mentioned right there 
was a play that I thought we almost had the first down with that pass, but it was end up turning up to fourth and one. But you're right. We can't have penalties like that in, in those particular plays like, like that. Because the thing is, as you heard, we're leading the league probably in, in penalties, right? And we added on, what, maybe three or four more, two right there with those plays right there. Yeah, and we just can't have that. We're, we're not that good of a team on offense to overcome us messing up in this manner, right? And there's just still too many penalties on this on this team. We're still seeing way too many false starts. I mean, we had another drive where we had another fourth and one, and that's why I, we have so many of these damn plays where we're doing this where I got it confused because there was another fourth and one <laughs> where, we had, where we had back-to-back penalties. Yeah, man, that hurts, though. You know, like you said, those penalties hurt. And with our banged-up line, we can't afford to have penalties with this line. We really can't. And if we do get those, it's going to hurt even more, right? Those long drives that turns into third and long because of a couple of penalties. Yeah, man, we, like you said, we can't have that shit, bro. And at the end of the day, when you have a defense that – and I don't think the defense was excellent today by any means of the, uh, in the imagination, but however – with most teams in this league that have average to above average offense, this defense would have done enough to get the win for us today. Absolutely. It's tough when you see this. And another thing that I wanted to bring up real quick, the communication breakdowns that we're seeing with this football team, we're starting to see this now week and week now where Nagy's having to burn timeouts. And I don't understand what's going on. On that play where we ran the, the fake punt to Barkevious Mingo, shout out to Barkevious Mingo, by the way, because – he actually led our team in rushing in the first half of the ball game with 11 yards on that fake punt, which also goes to show you how fucking pathetic we were on offense in the first half. But, Very. <laughs> but the thing is there, though, A-Dub, is when, when we look at that, they get the first down, and then Nagy has to burn a timeout because he didn't have a play call already queued up to go. Now, if he went into that knowing, hey, I'm going to catch these guys off guard and I'm going to go for it on fourth, he should have had a play call already in his back pocket ready to roll. Like, what did you think there when you saw that sequence? Yeah, I was kind of concerned right there as this looks like, again, another those one of those episodes where Nagy is just not on par with what we're trying to do here. And with that, that was another situation where Nagy has screwed over the play calling, the timeout, and everything else that leads to our demise, right? So with a team like ours, right, with no room for error, that was a situation where that caused another error. Yeah, and that's just something that you can't have. And we're, Like I said, we, we hear the, the situation that uh, they said on the broadcast against the Rams where Brian Greasy came out and said, hey, uh, Nick Foles basically says, hey, some of these play calls are coming in. We know they're doomed from the start because I don't have the time to throw the ball. Right. We're basically hearing, you know, a lot of stuff about the fact that Nagy and Foles with the plays on the wrist, on the wrist sheet and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on with these two? Like, what is going on? Like, wh- where is the identity? Because this is now year three of Matt Nagy's offense. There's still no identity. There's no leader on this offense. And I'll just say this. This system isn't adjusting to what they have on the field. I agree. And the thing is, what people don't highlight much is Nagy and Foles are not on the same page. Game in and game out. We've seen this for a few weeks now, right? They are still not on the same page. So we got to be very mindful of that. Um, going to these games because every game is different in a way, right? And defense players differently. Um, some on the blitz, like I think today the Titans put on some blitzes that were nice, nice blitzes. And the thing is, we call them these plays, and guess what we don't see? We don't see Foles doing any kind of audibles. So to me, that shows that Foles is like either just playing by Nagy's rules, even if they are wrong. Well, it's, it's just hard to say because, yeah, we don't see him killing plays at the line. But, however, I just don't see – much from Foles anyway, right? Because people will say, oh, you know, um, Nick Foles was the veteran quarterback that we needed, right? And a lot of people have their opinions about Mitch and when he was out there. But I'm still seeing a quarterback in Foles that's not making plays when they're out there. Now, I'm going to give him a half mulligan when it comes to the offensive line because the offensive line, they were what they were, right? That's what you're going to expect of guys that haven't really played much in the league. What do you expect of Arlison Hamburg? What do you expect of Alex Bars? These guys don't play. You have Rashad Coward who kicked out the right tackle, and you guys all know how I feel about what he's done this season. So it's all makeshift. We didn't even know if Fetty was even going to be able to play because he had close contact with Spriggs, right? So I will give him a half mulligan with that. But the thing about it is with him being this veteran quarterback, A-Dub, 
he's got to get rid of the ball. There's a lot of these plays where I'm looking at him taking sacks. And I'm also looking at these plays where he's just kind of throwing balls up for grabs again. And you just can't have that. You brought up the fact of that David Montgomery fumble, which I thought was the backbreaker for us. That will not happen. And we gave up seven points like that on offense. To I mean, like the defense did their job. They held this team to 17 fucking points. But then you have the offense that gives up a touchdown. You can't have that. You have to win the turnover game. And we lost two fumbles today. But what did you think about that whole sequence? Which part, around the fumble we lost? Or which one regarding the fact that we lost that fumble? and uh, Or well, both fumbles? Which one are you referring to? Well, I wanted to, to put you to touch into the, the, the fumble part of things. But I also wanted you to touch on the fact when you look at this team when it comes to foals and that veteran presence that everybody kind of highlighted. And however, we're still seeing situations with him where he's not making those veteran plays that basically will lead to winning. Here's the deal with this. As I mentioned already, Foles and Nagy are not on the same page. It's taking, first of all, it's taking so long for play, plays to even to get the play in, right? How are we going to get the play in? We're down to, what, 10 seconds in the shot clock by the time we get the play in, right? So it's like, one, you're not on the same page of what play you want to run. And then two, when we decide to run these plays, you may not even have time to develop the play to develop because the line, right? It's tough, tough for that standpoint. And then when it does have to, we do have time to develop. Sometimes foes make some bad throws, right? When you're under pressure. So you got a combination of several things happening all at once that makes you a little bit more concerned because you know with foes, right? He's not good with mobility. He hasn't been great under pressure when he is and things are turning to disaster, especially when he's throwing off his back foot. So you see all these things happening with foes, right? that all of his opportunities are being exposed. So you add that along with him and Nagy not quite on the same page, and then, you know, at the alliance to that, it just makes it more of a tough situation where you have pretty much oil on oil all together. I mean, oil and water mixed together. Well, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. That's, right. That's, that's, that's simple and plain, brother. Because when you're looking at this team, you're, you have a team defensively that's doing enough to keep this team basically – in good situations. Right. However, you have an offense that keeps putting the defense in bad spots. And I'll say this, man. I know that Nagy talks about this culture of this team and how basically they're a close team and how that's one of the strengths of the team. Right. But I wonder when the defense is going to get to the point where they're going to start getting pissed off with what's happening on that side of the ball. Well, they sure are. Because I'll tell you, maybe it's just because these guys, uh, you know, they do a really good job of saying the right things to the media. Uh, but it still seems like right now they're still kind of keeping things, you know, kind of close to the vest. But I'm telling you, when you look at that defense and what they did to Henry today and the fact that they did their job and the offense couldn't muster up anything, that's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. I think we kept – I mean, we couldn't get any yardage the first half, really. It was like we'll start a, a drive and then it won't go anywhere due to a sack or something that happens, right, penalty or whatever, right? And you can't – continue to operate down that because the thing is what we saw in the first half our defense was out there spending a lot of time on that field trying to hold these guys the titans from scoring so that it, it can come back to bite you at the end of the day especially when you have a running back like uh, henry that when you get to second half of football games they can just grind the clock out and just give him the ball and just wear a defense down now we didn't see that in this game particularly but that's kind of how the recipe for the titans works right they Correct. had the lead, and it's just like it gives them that opportunity to kind of grind the game out. When you look at the game plan today offensively, and I know there's a lot of things that we have to unpack here, what did you um, what did you like about the game plan today? What I liked about the game plan today is um, I know that Nagy was trying to mix it up, right? I like that factor of it, trying to mix it up. Because, again, you can't abandon the run, even though we don't have it uh, with this line, but you got to at least try, right? So I will say he tried. For the most part, I like the fact that he kept Foles and shotgun because, again, if you have Foles on the center, we saw what happened in the game when he was on the center. Too much bad stuff happening. But for the most part, he tried to keep Foles, I will say, in the shotgun. I think, to me, our best way to um, approach the game in shotgun was around for Foles is to put him in shotgun. So therefore, he's able to make some passes in, in that area. But I thought that was the one thing I thought that Nagy did well with doing that. You know what? I can kind of see that because, if, like, to your point, um, in that situation – it kind of neutralized uh, the pass rush a little bit. So, yeah, in that aspect, I can definitely see what you're, what you're saying there. Um, I have to like, really think on this one, man, because there was a lot that I didn't like. I guess I did like the way – I did like the way that they schemed open Jimmy Graham on that 24-yard uh, pass attempt um, in that first quarter. 
Mm -hmm. I thought that that was really great. And I would love to see if they could utilize Cole Commit in that way. Speaking of which, what happened with Cole Commit today? We didn't see much at all from Cole Commit today. That was kind of odd, but I thought that Jimmy Graham was able to get some catches in. But without Cole Commit, I thought that uh, we didn't do a good job with making him part of the game plan, as, as we can see. So I was kind of surprised to not see much of him. Back to that point, though, I think that if Nagy can start to get a little bit more creative, because we know that when he's cooking, his scheme can get people open. And and I really love that play, you know, to Jimmy Graham. I thought that was a really good play. But some of the stuff that I just did not like is more of just not getting guys utilized. In the first half of that ball game, we didn't utilize A-Rob enough. Now, A-Rob was being uh, matched up with, yeah, he was being matched up with Malcolm Butler. And, you know, Malcolm Butler's a decent corner and all, but come on, man, A-Rob is that dude. Give him the ball. Get Cole Komet out there. Utilize Mooney and Miller in situations where they could do something with that ball. Because the thing that I didn't like was the fact that I thought that they were dropping foes back too much into those those drop-back passes. And um, if the Titans' defensive line is blitzing and going after him the way that they were going after him, he doesn't have time to get those plays off. So right. what Nagy should have been doing is dialing up plays that allow foes to get rid of the ball quick, get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, and let those guys make plays. Right, and I think you hit it right on the head. I thought Nagy did not do a good job at that in the first half with allowing guys like A-Rob, Mooney, and Miller to eat. Matter of fact, even for that matter, we didn't even see a lot of Graham eating like that in the first half. So I thought Nagy made some poor choices with calls when it came down to the playmaking because, again, we didn't give our guys a good chance to uh, make plays, big plays. They didn't start making big plays until the second half. Right. We picked on the offensive line a little bit, but I also think as an offensive coordinator slash head coach, if you know that your offensive line is decimated, why don't you scheme and help those guys out? And I don't think he did that today. There was way too many situations out there where he didn't allow that to happen for those guys. From looking at Nagy, some of the plays that we had early on, I think he tried. And what happened, remember, we had to roll out plays with Foles a little bit, throw some short passes, right, some quick short passes. But I think at, at some point, Tennessee Titans started to figure it out. And I think we didn't do any, a good job at adjusting to that. So I thought the first series, we tried to do some rollout. We knew our line weren't that good, right? So we're testing Tennessee how quick they get into the you know, backfield. So we started to do a little something, making some moves. And then after that, that's when you start to see the Titans get into, into our backfield a lot more, and we didn't make any adjustments. And that's on Nagy. You got to make adjustments, like you said, to call some better plays for guys like Robinson and also Miller and um, also uh, Mooney. Yeah, and, and to your point, yeah, I, I I guess I agree with that with the rollout. But however, you're rolling out Nick Foles, a guy that has no mobility and and a guy that basically isn't very athletic. So while for me, what I would have liked to see is put the guy back in shotgun, basically get the ball out into the flat, let it start getting like blockers in front of a guy like Mooney Miller, let those guys make plays. That's what I would have liked to see. The Absolutely. rollout plays and stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. That would have been one way to kind of help the offensive line. But that's something I would have wanted to see if you got a guy like Mitch Trubisky back there, which, in my opinion, and I'm just going to basically just bring this up again for our audience because I was on this last week. Mitch Trubisky, to me, is the quarterback that's the best fit for this offensive line and what we have going on right now. Because those first three games of the season, we weren't talking about the offensive line being trashed in the way that we are right now. Now, what changed between those first three games and these last uh, games besides the injuries yeah well what changed really is now with our defense i'm sorry offensive line getting getting more injuries to it you're having less time to do what you want to do so what that means this this lineup that we have right now on the offensive line is fit more so for mitch now what i was saying about Foles really was around the fact that if you're going to roll them out make it quick <laughs> you know what i'm saying don't have him still running for his life and trying to make, make something happen because he can't do that so therefore a guy like mitch you give Mitch some time, he rolls out. Mitch can take some time and run, right, and then throw it. That's what Mitch does well for the Bears when he was in, in the lineup. So now we're asking at times for Foles to do the same thing. That's not going to happen. That's not Foles' game. As you can see, that's one of his deficiencies. But you're right. This kind of a lineup right now where we are fits um, Mitch much better than it does Foles. The thing about it is Mitch was inactive today. And why was he inactive, listeners? Because our office coordinator slash head coach thought it was a good idea to put him in as RPO play last week, and he got hurt. And now right. Mitch is out week to week with that shoulder injury, which he's had a lot of those shoulder injuries in his time as a quarterback. Correct. And I just thought that that was, on top of all the bad play calls that he's had this season, that was just another one of his bad play calls. Yeah, that was horrible. Uh... Um, 
Yeah, really bad, right? Absolutely. The other thing, too, though, when you look at the situation with the quarterback situation, so now Nick Foles as a quarterback for the Bears is now 2-4 and four as a starter. We're seeing that the offensive line is really, really struggling. But we also see in this situation that the offense is broken. Hey, Dub, talk to our listeners a little bit about what you're seeing with this offense as far as areas where you think that they can improve upon going into uh, the future games that are coming up. What I think they can improve upon in the future, they have to have Nick Foles to get rid of that ball quickly. We're holding the ball too long. And matter of fact, you already know for the past, what, three or four weeks, you got enough film, enough tape to realize that, hey, you don't have enough time to throw the football. So therefore, you got to get these guys mooning. Quick play right to the outside. You got to get A-Rob. Quick play going down the sideline right to the outside. You got to get Miller in the middle. You also have to involve Commit and also Jimmy Graham. Those two guys have been lost in the offense lately, but you got to get them involved. If you don't get that tight end play involved, trust me, you're making us become one. One-dimensional? Yeah, one-dimensional. Absolutely, yeah. one-dimensional from that standpoint. The other thing I'm seeing as well is when it comes down to um, the backfield, how we are running Montgomery, we got to do better with that. We're not getting Montgomery on place to where he can be most efficient at times, right? We have him run straight into defenses, right? And I think that comes to Nagy really understanding, okay, when's a good time to run the football? Where are we going to put Montgomery at to be effective? Because right now, the guy's running too much out the backfield, breaking tackles. So we got to put him in a position where he's able to get some positive yardage. And I think Nagy has to really think about that and, and be in the game. Be in the game. Not on the plays, but be in the game. So I think Nagy gets so involved with these play calling, right? Trying to call plays and gadget plays. You need to be more involved in the game. So I think for Montgomery, it's going to take Nagy. Nagy and Montgomery. Be involved in the game, uh, Nagy, to see how they're playing Montgomery, how we can make it more effective in the game, in the running scheme. Also, too, speaking to your point that you talked about with gadget plays, I was really annoyed on, on that red zone situation where we were moving the ball and they decided to do that fake outside pitch to Cordell Patterson and they wanted to do the shovel pass to A-Rob. Yeah. And Texas defense blew that shit up, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and my thing is this. We talked about this on the preview pod with Anna Lewis last week. The strength of that Titans defense is in the middle with Jeffrey Simmons, who had a big-time ball game. Why did Nagy continue to try to test that part of their defense? It's the same thing that we saw against Aaron Donald with the Rams as well. Right. It comes off sometimes that he just doesn't – it's almost like ego, right? Yeah. I'm going to run the ball here, and, and, and it is what it is, right? Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. That was a bad play. And, and this is what I mean by Nagy, right? You got to understand, when they throw a trick play out there, we got one with Mingo. But that right there is no need to do a trick play right there like that. And, and in fact, in that area, right? You're doing this extra. This is in the backfield, right? We don't have much time in the backfield to be doing all that. And it came back to bite us. Yeah, because at that situation, run the ball. Right. Or just run it. <laughs> just run it. Just get with the Patterson. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that would be the much better play right there, giving the pass, and then trying to do this third option to give it to A-Rob. And that was terrible. I'm not sure what Nagy was thinking that, because the thing is, you know this, um, Press, when you're in a red zone, it's a short field. You don't right. have time to do all this extra stuff, you know? If you're going to do one move, make one move, play action or whatever, right? You don't, you don't have time to make two, <laughs> you know, to fake no. another run for another run. No, you don't have that much time, man. In that situation, what do we have to do? We have to settle for a field goal. And that was a situation where we needed a touchdown. I agree. We should have got a touchdown out of that. That's on Aggie. So you mentioned Jimmy Graham uh, earlier, and, and you gave him some kudos. I'm going to kind of hit Jimmy Graham a little bit. Uh, I Last week, he had a really bad game uh, against his former team. Right. And he vowed that he was going to be better. And, Correct. and, you know, he he made the most of his targets um, that were thrown to him today. However, I saw so many blocks that he missed out there. and when you have a guy like that that's being paid what he's being paid, and I know they didn't bring him here to be like some elite blocker, but bro, you got to make your blocks. We saw the back of his jersey way too much today in that game, and that's just one of those things where you have a guy that's basically talking about what he's going to do. Talk is cheap. Get it done, man. I agree. On, the, on that side of the ball, he didn't help us at all. And you know what? I hate to say it this way. We kind of miss whims for sure. And, and you know what? And that's the th- and that's the thing where that whim situation came back to bite us. And I know there was a lot of fans that were all like, "Oh man, I would have done that too," and this and that. Well, guess what? He's suspended for two games now. And that's like to your point, A Dub. He's someone that we miss in that run game because he's a really good blocker. He um, is. As far as our tight ends are concerned, Demetrius Harris is supposed to be that that good blocker. But now we're seeing that he lost snaps because he was ineffective earlier in the season. So we're not getting any of that type of uh, production 
uh, from those receivers and tight ends right now in the block game. Right. That's true. And we are forced to have our line <laughs> do most of the blocking. And that's not good when you're trying to get back past those linebackers. Well, for Montgomery trying to get past those guys, it's going to be hard. Yeah, man. It's just when you, when you look at this type of stuff, it's just really it's really tough because this was a winnable game. And this is another game that when I look at it, I'm like, the Titans didn't do anything that impressed me out there. You know, we shut down their running back. Tannehill was controlled outside of that one big play that he made to Brown. And, and I would say that that was good coverage by screen on that play. It was, that was just a dime ball. That was just a dime ball. And, uh, and I will say though, Brown, he did grow man screen though, to get to the end zone. Did you see how he dragged him? <laughs> to the end zone? Yeah, he, did. <laughs> he did, man. Yeah. That was, that was kind of hurtful though, but you know what? Screen didn't give up. He tried. I just wish he'd have turned around and looked at the ball. Maybe he probably had a chance at uh hitting it. I don't know. But it was a, a good pass from Tannehill on the money. But like you said, Tannehill didn't do much at all, really. He was held to 158 yards, really. So uh, for the most part, we held him in check, too. Well, we actually did. And I would just say in that situation, Eddie Jackson got over there just a tad bit late. And then yeah. also we saw there was another play there with Brown where he basically uh, was covered by Jackson and Jackson missed the tackle and Brown kind of got away for a, a decent play. So we did see in that game that A.J. Brown did make some plays. Yeah, he made some plays based upon our fault. I think his plays that he made was because of us. Oh, he got some extra yards because we missed the tackle, right? He caught a, a couple of good passes that, uh, you know, he was wide open on one of the schemes where he was wide open. And um, I think Tanner hit him for a good pass there. But, yeah, a lot of stuff that I would say was on us more so than him. Yeah. When we're looking at what went on out there today, the, the big thing here is the Titans' defense – they, they schemed this matchup very well. They dialed up the pressure. There were a lot of situations there where you saw Landry was coming in on pressure. We saw that Leno was missing his blocks. He didn't even see the guy coming in on Foles. Those, a lot of those plays were really key with getting Foles to get rid of the ball a lot sooner than he wanted to. Right, so when Foles had time, he made some good passes. I mean, some of the A-Rob, some Mooney, Miller, when he got time. But when he did not have time, you saw a total disaster out there, right? Either him going down for a sack, or just a bad throw. Another area, too, that I wanted to kind of highlight um, with the Titans is their pursuit of the football was awesome. When Montgomery or, or Patterson or whoever had the ball, those defenders were basically following that football, and they were trailing the play. Like, so look at that, the play with Montgomery where he coughed up the ball. That was an awesome pursuit because they were already there. Desmond King picked up the ball, and they were off to the races. Yes. There were so many Titan jerseys around that play at that time. And you know what? That play proved to me that, uh, you know, they smelled blood at the time frame. They're like, we smell blood. And they went for it, right? When they got that, um, <laughs> yeah, when they got that fumble, right? When that fumble happened, they were all over it. What shocked me is that our guys weren't there to actually, you know, um, be there to try to get the ball back. So to me, I thought they were the hungrier team. And you can see on our, on our side, offensive side, right? We're not hungry on the offensive side together. I would say collectively, right? And they seem to be, you know? Because there have been a couple of times where we actually um, – forced a couple fumbles on other teams and we weren't hungry enough to get to the ball. I was kind of looking at Tennessee Titans like, wow, this team is hungry. And when that ball came loose, those guys were right there on it, man. I mean, King was on that play right there. He saw he was gone. Um, but then the yeah, one with Miller, was. the one yeah, with Miller, they were all over that one too. So it's like, ah, geez, these guys are quick to the ball. We need to be that hungry too. Well, to your point that you made on a couple of podcast episodes ago, when you said, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to nitpick our defense. But you said, hey, our defense needs to start creating some turnovers. And we saw a couple plays in this game where Kyle Fuller had a chance to have a pick. And then we yep. also saw a play where Jalen Johnson broke on the ball, and he could have possibly have had a pick. And those are situations that I think if we can get those type of plays being made by our defense, that would really make life easier for this offense. Yeah, and I think with our defense, and maybe it's part of Picano's coaching, but I think the ball coming your way, we got to intercept that, right? It's like, go for the ball, right? Get it. Don't go to pat it down. Go to catch it, right? And I think for us, I mean, it's been many times this season where I've seen it, right, where it went to just knock it down. No, catch it. And we're going, we going back. It, it, this defense is good enough to where we should be getting interceptions, fumbles, and things of that nature. But we're not getting enough of them, though. So I thought this was a game where we could have gotten a couple that we just knocked the ball down versus catching it. 
Yeah, I think in the one with Kyle Fuller, it looked like he was trying to make a play on it. It's just he wasn't able to bring it down. But with Jalen Johnson, it looked like he was just trying to maybe bat it down. And to your point, you're definitely right about that. We have to have that playmaking mentality, especially because when you look at this offense, we need our defense to be our offense right now. Right, exactly. And to put us in good field positioning as well, because these long drives for us, it's just not going to work, man. As I shared before, time and time again, we're not good with long drives. Let's shorten this field up. So we're going to need our defense to create some turnovers to do that. Yep. And one thing, too, that I want our audience to kind of think about when you look at this game today. So I was watching some of it, and I saw, you know what? The Titans, they were doing run stunts in that game today, and they were really confusing that Bears O-line. And, I mean, it was really clear on that play where Fetty whiffed on his block kind of what they were doing. And that's what David Montgomery had to go up against all day long. And Nagy just did not make those adjustments. And that's kind of what I was speaking to earlier, A-Dub, and the fact that you got to help these guys out. If you I agree. see what this defense is doing, man, switch it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? This is what I'm starting to figure out about Nagy. And I think you may be figuring this out already. He's not a good X and O coach, right? He's a, In a way, it's not like he's a copycat coach. So whatever they do to us, he'll try to come back the second half and do the same thing to them, right? That's copycat. But I want to see you do an X and O play where, right, you see how their schemes are, and we say, you know what, we have a play for that type of scheme right there. And I don't think Nagy has done a good job with, you know, um, designing plays to fit what the defensive coverage is, right? We call them plays we think it will probably work to try to throw the defense off, but you got to be the scheme against what the defense is trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I think for when you think of Nagy, you think of Nagy as like this offensive mind, right? And he has a system where he can get guys open. But my issues with him maybe more come in the fact of situ- situational football yeah. and basically making those adjustments. So to your point, even if you have a play that you already have in the back of your mind, like I want to run this play, I want to run this play, maybe look at what's going on out there. Maybe let your quarterback maybe kind of look at the line and see, okay, you know what? The way these guys are like kind of playing this thing, this play's not gonna work, man. We might need to call a timeout or let me kill this play and let me go to another one on the list. Right. Exactly. Let's go to another play, right? Because sometimes it's a good play that's a call, but it's not a good play for that situation. And that's why I see right. happens with our team a lot. It's not a good play for that situation. And one thing that I saw in the game today is, and the uh, announcer also called it out, we saw that Darnell Mooney showed a little frustration in the ball game. And I would say this, man, I Love seeing that from that kid because that shows you that he cares. That's a competitive spirit that comes out of him. And I'm really tired of guys when things have been going wrong on this team, smiling and kind of like acting like it's a big joke. And so if you have a rookie on this ball club that cares and he's basically showing that type of emotion, I need to see more people playing like that on that offense. Because right now you got a lot of the guys on this offense that are kind of going through the motions, in my opinion. And playing too cute as well. But, you know, I like that out of Mooney. Uh, that's right. That that curve right after Jimmy Graham uh, picked up that penalty, right? I think we have yep. to punter something after that series. But, yeah, that hurt. I mean, I'm, I'm glad Mooney showed a little frustration. You asked me. Maybe some of the guys, Nagy and, and you know, the coaches may not have liked that because it's on television. But it shows to us that, hey, this offense isn't where we want it to be for sure. And everyone is not on the same page. As much as you want to talk about this offense and how it is, they are not on the same page. And guys are even puzzled by how other guys are playing on this team, right? So I think it probably shocked <laughs> Mooney that, hey, how the hell you pick up a um, penalty, Jimmy Graham, when he's trying to move the ball, man? How you pick up a penalty like this in this situation? So well, it's unacceptable because Mooney's the rookie, but he's not playing like a rookie. Right, exactly. <laughs> you got veterans on this team playing like rookies. Exactly, with these penalties being called. I mean, screwing up like that. And come on, Jimmy Gray, you should be leading the way, showing this rookie how not to get caught with penalties, and you're getting caught with one. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's why him going to Twitter last week, that meant nothing to me, bro. I'm like, get out of here, man. Go do it on the field. I, I don't want to hear about it. Right, you got to tell me, because talk to the team. Go talk to the team. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> another area, though, a dub on defense. I wanted to kind of talk about what we saw offensively from the Titans. The defensive line was getting home. We saw that the players were flying around the football, and I really liked what I saw. But what we did see from the Titans' offensive coordinator is he, even though the running game wasn't getting it done for those guys, he was using that running game to set up that play-action pass, and they did just enough of that to kind of keep the Bears honest. What did you think there when you saw that philosophy from the Titans? Um, That is who the Titans are. They maneuver their offense around Henry. Henry is the guy that makes the impact player, right, that makes everything go. Every defense that faced the Tennessee Titans know that, hey, we got to stop Henry, right? 
So what happens? Tannehill's like, okay, your goal is to stop, you know, um, Henry. Well, let me play action fake, right? Let me fake the run and then try to get some of these guys like A.J. Brown in the open field to uh, make catches. And um, that's what he was trying to do, you know, uh, with, with this scheme. And it, and it worked because guess what? Henry is an impact player, right? That's what impact players are. Guys, you got a game scheme against, right? And so we tried to stop Henry. I understand we didn't get a lot of yards, but he was still impactful based upon how he impacted the game because he allowed Tannehill to get some of those, uh, you know, those uh, quick yarders to get, you know, enough for a first down to extend the drives. But one thing I was impressed with, but disappointed in us with, was around the fact that we allowed their tight ends to continue to make plays on third down to get first downs. And we didn't stop those guys. Knowing we come in this game, I think Anna talked about this, right? About she her did. tight ends are being the ones who catch the ball on third down. I think we should have knew that coming to this game. And I don't think we've done a good job at stopping those tight ends on third down. Yeah, because Tannehill leaned on those guys and they made key conversions. But Correct. another thing that I wanted our audience to think about in this ball game is look at how the offensive coordinator for the Titans used matchups to create opportunities for his players. He schemed um, Brown. So they mm-hmm. probably saw something on film where they said, you know what, if we can get this one-on-one in this ball game, we feel confident that our guy can make a play. He did. Right, he did. Yep. And I would just say this. Uh, when it comes to scheme and making adjustments, that's what I like to see, and that's what I would like to see more out of our, basically, offensive coordinator slash head coach of, you have talent on this offense. I know we beat up the offense, but you have playmakers. Like, however, he's not putting these guys in position to make plays. Right. That thing is the difference between calling plays and putting guys in position to make plays, right? That's a big difference. You can call all the good plays you want to call, but if it's not effective for how the defense is guarding our guys, it's not a good play. Well, I think in Nagy's, in, you know, how Nagy exactly. calls some plays, he screwed us over with how he called some of them. And I think he got to do a better job moving forward that, hey, I need to call the right play, not the play I just want to call because it's a good play, but call the right play for, that, for those particular downs. Yeah, you know, and and like you said, call the right play. Don't call the play that you already have in your back pocket of this is a play that I like and this is the play that we run in practice all week. No, I don't care, bro. Look at what's going on out there on the field and then make the right adjustment because we're yeah, leaving just way too many yards and points out there. What you got, A-Dub? Let me give you an example, though. Like, for example, you know, he'll run uh, Montgomery, right? Montgomery pick up, like, what, five or six yards, right? Like, oh, yeah, Montgomery got five or six yards. Let's run it again. You think Tennessee Titans about to let Montgomery get another five or six yards again? No. <laughs> it's like he got one. Let's run something else to, to throw this defense off. They're not going to let you run the same play twice, right, and get away with it like that. That's just kind of being smart, right? I mean, no one wants you to do the same thing to them twice and get away with it, right? Um, so I think sometimes we get so caught up with, okay, this play worked. Let's do it again. It's about when, not about right now. Yeah, I can see that. But then also we'll push back on you and say, but look at how – the Titans on drives would just basically keep feeding the ball to, Mag- uh, to Henry. I mean, we saw plays where they would just gave it to him three times the same way, and he would get it first down. So I think it just depends on your philosophy on offense. The thing about it is it goes back to the fact that we have no identity. Because if we had an identity on offense, then we would know what type of team that we can expect out there. We have no fucking clue what we're doing. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> exactly, because we try everything. I think some some things we try, right? We're trying to run the football. hasn't worked out for us. I mean, just to run is to run it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. But in Titans' defense, in Titans' offense for them, they run everything they do around Henry. So they got they cannot abandon the run. I mean, this guy's been a force, right? <laughs> so yeah. we're about a guy's a force versus our Montgomery, you know, in a bad line. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. Tennessee Titans has been very good we're running the football all year, really, uh, for the most part. So they're going to continue running the football because their line is our, their line are good guys who block very well in the rush. So they can't abandon it. But the thing is, we did a good job at holding them down. But the thing is, they were never going to abandon the run regardless. Yeah, and also, too, they put the graphic up during the game how Henry on his own has outrushed our entire fucking team. <laughs> right. So that, that shows you all you need to know about that ball club right now, um, our offense. It's, it's, I agree. Really, it's really tough. It's really tough. Um, defensively, A-Dub, I wanted to ask you, what did you think about what we saw from some of our guys on that defensive line? So, again, we didn't see uh, Robert Quinn making any plays out there. We saw that Khalil Mack had a pretty quiet game. What what was your impressions of that defensive line today? I was kind of, like, wondering what they were trying to do, right? Like, what are – I mean, I understand they wanted to get in the backfield, right, to get to Tannehill. They were trying to, right? They were trying to get in there. But I think Tannehill was trying to get rid of the ball quickly, right? So, therefore, he won't get sacked a lot. 
So I would say our line was pretty good, really. We forced Tannehill to make some bad throws, right? That's what you want to see happen. We just couldn't tackle him as much as we wanted to, but we were applying some pressure. So I would say our offensive line, I mean, our defensive line did a pretty good job. Even the ones we brought into, um, we brought in there from the bench, right? They came in there and did some things, you know, uh, for us as well. And I, I thought they did good. But I think that the key factor for me was the fact that we couldn't get to Tannehill as much as we want to, but we did force him into some bad throws, which I thought was also good too. Yeah, I mean, we did get three sacks on him. Uh, we saw the Bilal Nichols got home. Uh, yeah. We had a, you know, we had a sack from Roquan. But, you know, one of the guys I wanted to highlight real quick on that on that defensive line, we had the backup Colors that came in there, and he was taking up double teams, and he was opening up for the linebackers to make plays. And I think that that's, unha- that's an unheralded guy that a lot of people won't talk about. But he came in off the bench, and he basically replaced uh, Roy Robinson-Harris, who was out yeah. of the game with an injury. Yep. And I thought that that was key. Also – Mario Edwards uh, Jr., he yeah. made a sack. And he yeah. continues to make the most of his limited reps as well. Yeah. As, as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, our defensive line is pretty deep, man. And we got some guys, you know, out there who can make some plays. You know, Nichols, um, Edwards, you know, Urban. We got some good guys in depth-wise. And I thought they all were, to me, in a way, was impactful today. Yep. And the defense only gave up 17 points today. Yep. Um, but... And then also we forced six uh, three and outs, but we still lose the ball game today. So right. that's just something that we're going to have to really, really reevaluate because now this ball club is really in danger of a, as a tailspin because now we've lost three in a row. As I mentioned, no identity on offense. This None. is year three. And I'm just tired of nagging with the fake, you know, depressed look at his pressers and giving us the same rehearsed answers over and over again. If the guy doesn't have this thing figured out, they take the play calling away from him. I keep saying this over and over again. But if he can't figure this thing out, you have an offensive coordinator for a reason. Let him fucking do the job. But in Nagy's defense, and only for this week only, I sort of gave him somewhat of a pass. And again, I'm not saying I'm right with this here, but I gave him somewhat of a pass today due to, well, what that went on this week, you know, with the whole COVID thing, right? Too scared of COVID. We couldn't practice on Thursday. Um, I had to do a lot of virtual things. When a lot you can get done um, from a, from an offense standpoint, really. Again, something should have figured out weeks ago, right? With the same core we had with wide receivers, running back, right? That still should be effective. But with this week, with the COVID thing happening, I thought that may have threw us off just a little bit. Not saying how much, but I tell you, this team doesn't have time to waste, right? And any small thing that hurts this team offensively would hurt. I mean, yeah, I could give you that, but there's other teams that we've seen in the league that have had those same situations with COVID, and some of those teams didn't practice for an entire week, and they came out and put a W on people. So I feel you where you're coming from with that, but then at the same time, I don't feel you. (laughs) 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 I can can roll with that too, man. It's the same thing every week. The same thing every week. Why can't I get it's the same shit every week, bro. But, uh, <laughs> for for our audience, we're gonna turn this over to something a little more positive. So, A Dub, who was your offensive uh, game ball recipient? Um, I gave it to um, A Rob, and his and the reason why I thought A Rob was probably the most effective in his role out there. I mean, he had what seven receptions for eighty-one yards, but I did like the route runners he was running. You know, the, the balls he, he was getting when he was making those big plays, twenty-plus yard catches. I thought he was actually taking those passes right, like you know, like hey, the defense had played good defense, but A. Rod was just showing that hey, I'm an elite offensive um, player out here, elite wide receiver. So I thought for me, from watching how he's playing, running those routes, I thought A. Rod played to me, played his position the best. It was more the most efficient guy I thought out there on our team on the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, I can't even argue with that. Uh, we went to him a ton there in that second half. You're right. He started cooking a little bit out there, you know. Uh, he was um, efficient, too. I mean, seven to nine targets. I thought he could have had all his catches, but you know what? He made some big catches out there, some big ones. Yeah, and the thing about it is, too, like you said, those catches that he made, those were plays where Foles was basically just throwing it up there to make let him make a play, and right. he did. I mean, he he makes really great contested catches. Yeah, he does, man. And, and to me... You know how we've been. We've been talking about this for the past few weeks now. Well, all season, pay the man. He's given us a reason why he should be paid. And today was no exception. He earned it. Yeah, give him his money. Because like I said, if it weren't for him on that offense, we'd be even more fucked than we already are. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Who do you give your defensive game ball to, my guy? Defensive ball I gave to? I think you probably have the same one I have. 
I have to go Roquan Smith, man. Roquan has been phenomenal this year. I mean, nine solo tackles, one sack, two for a loss, uh, two tackles for a loss. Uh, I thought Roquan did very good at, you know, uh, helping stop hammering. Thought he did a good job with that, closing those gaps. Also thought he'd done good in coverage, too, because I believe it was one pass that was thrown out there where he knocked the ball out the, out the um, wide receiver's hand. I said, man, that's a good play by Roquan. So uh, he's been good on both sides, man, the run game and also in the passing. So I got to give that guy a lot of credit. He's all over the field, and he's been playing elite um, very, I mean, most of this season here. So I got to give it to him. That's what's up. Uh, Danny T also made a really decent play in, in coverage on one of the receivers for the Titans too. So I want to, now we've been very critical of Danny on the podcast and Danny was very active there in that first half. And I thought that he was solid in the game today, but he made a really good play on Davis uh, in coverage. And that's a wide receiver. Yeah, he did. He's he their did. leader receiver. So sh- shout out to you. Um, I also gave my Danny, uh, my game ball to uh, Roquan Smith. Uh, I mean, let's just be honest. 12 tackles in the sack. It is what it is. That That's that's big-time numbers right there. But I would say this. Absolutely. He, he continues to play like an all-pro. And in my opinion, if he's not all-pro this season, it's going to be a crime. Uh, he was all over the field, tackled well. Yep. I mean, when you got a guy like Henry that you got to go up against, that's no small feat to shut that type of guy down. And the way that those defensive line and the linebackers played in that run game was awesome. And mm-hmm. I give that credit to Pagano because his scheme was really working today when it came to that. I agree. Pagano had a very good scheme. I will say that for sure. I cannot deny that. I will say we were on point. We had a very good game scheme on how to slow down Henry, and we did that. But yes. Yep. Shout out Roquan. Hit the Quan. My guy. That dude yes, is getting it done. Yeah, he should be. Like um, you said, man. My underperforming player, A-Dub, I'm just going to go for it. Nick Foles, bro. You got to do better, man. Because on paper, people will say, oh, man, well, look at his numbers. I told our audience, I don't want to see Nick Foles throwing the ball 40 times a game or more. He had 52 pass attempts in his ball game today. We don't focus on stats in the, on this podcast because when it mattered, he didn't get the job done, bro. And I don't care how many excuses we give for the offensive line. You're a veteran quarterback. You're the guy that we traded a fourth-round draft pick and guaranteed $21 million to bring in here to do, and you're not getting the job done. Those numbers led to us having 17 points. But how many of those points did he score when the game really counted? Because when the game mattered, he didn't get the job done, bro. Two or four as a starter. He had supposed to be an upgrade over Mitch. And I was going to say this. This offensive line continues to not be a fit for his game and his lack of mobility. And I say that when Mitch is healthy, Nagy really needs to give some serious consideration to get him back out there because his athleticism and ability to make plays with his legs would get wins like this on the board for us because these are winnable games that we're letting slip away. I, I, I agree with you from that standpoint. I mean, my person who I thought um, was underperforming, I, I went with um, Quinn, but I'm going to piggyback on something you shared about Foles. Um, I thought Foles made some tough passes this game here and some passes that he missed, right? And that because of Foles. He missed some key passes because of him. I can't even always say that was always on the offensive line or on anyone else other than him. I mean, some of the throws he threw, one of the throws he threw that was behind um, that was behind Miller, that was his fault. Um, I'm looking to him like, well, you see him there, at least you know where the guy's supposed to be, not where you want him to be. I mean, you got to tell him that where he should be, or you should have this kind of relationship with your wide receivers on where they should be. So I, I will say um, that's on uh, Foles based upon how he played. Um, and again, the stats doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, 52 passes, uh, that's a bit too much for Nick Foles anyhow. And somehow we kept putting him in rollout plays that extended to where I knew he was going to make some mistakes, right? And I'm like, oh, it's just not good at all. And he rolled out um, and made some very bad throws at times. So I, I just kind of felt like, you know, uh, he made some good throws at times. But again, you got to be more consistent than that. And I thought he made some bad plays. Um, the guy yeah, who I, you're right. It, it, it was the consistency. Yep. Yeah. Well, who'd yep. you have? Because you, you, who did you have as your underperformer? Was it Quinn? I, I went with Quinn as my underperformer, man. Here's why. Um, I think, you tell me if I'm right or wrong here, I want to get your perspective on this. I think today, the other guys on the defensive end, carry Quinn. And I think the guys that came in off the bench, you know, that came in in, in the game to help out defensively, they were very sharp. I mean, our line is very sharp. And to me, I didn't see an impact from Quinn this week. I thought that I would see more from him this week, but I didn't. 
So from that standpoint, he only had about maybe a couple tackles, maybe today. <laughs> and I just didn't see his effectiveness as running through those guys. I didn't see his effectiveness out there, really. I didn't see him getting to um to Tannehill a lot. I didn't see him close out, close Tannehill off, you know, to cut him off, to even get a sack, right? It's just I didn't see enough from him to get pressure on um Tannehill. I thought the guys did a better job than him. I didn't even realize Robert Quinn played today. I thought Leonard Floyd was out there. You said Robert Quinn was out there on the field today? <laughs> he was supposed to be. <laughs> I, I'll tell you one thing. Man, I mean, this is the thing. You and I basically said that he was the key acquisition in free agency this year because we thought this guy's going to open things up for Khalil Mack. But it's the same story this year, man. Khalil Mack is still being double and triple team because the guys that, are, well, mostly Quinn, aren't getting home. I don't understand what's going on. We're seeing guys like Mario Edwards Jr. and limited reps who's making plays. He's got more sacks than Robert Quinn does. Yeah, Urban out there doing better yeah. too. It's like too many guys. Nicholas, right? Everyone is doing better than Quinn out there. And to me, I thought Quinn would be the one that's most impactful on that end because you're right, you got Mac dominate the other side, right? So Robert Quinn, you got to dominate your side. And we don't get that same type pressure or push because what you find out, you see that Hicks may be more effective, right? You may see... Mac effective, but you don't see that from Robert Quinn a, 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 as well. So he's not meeting that level of standard that the other guys are meeting. You're totally right about this. And what I'm going to say, too, I'm going to now point my finger at Ryan Pace. Go Ryan ahead, Pace. I was critical of you in this offseason, and I told A-Dub, I said, I was going to take it easy on Ryan Pace the first part of the season here, but I can no longer bite my Now, Ryan Pace why do we just let an interior offensive lineman just sit out there on a free agent market and then you let the Bengals pick him up? Ryan Pace, why didn't you trade for an interior lineman at the trade deadline? Because this offensive line that they trotted out there today was an embarrassment. The scheme didn't back these guys up. And I'm sorry, injuries, COVID, it doesn't matter. This offensive line, we shouldn't have had out there because I'm going to say this. This offense deserves better. And when I say this offense, those playmakers on offense deserve better. The defense deserves better than that offensive line that we had out there today. The fans, we deserve better. It is bullshit that this is what this guy put out here on the field. He looked at this offensive line in the the offseason and said, hmm, the only thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to sign Jermaine and Fetty, who the fucking Seahawks didn't want, and he came here for a million dollars. And no disrespect to a Fetty because, you know what, he's actually been solid. But guess what? That shit could have went sideways. That's true. And so when I look at this, you think Ryan Pace is the guy that I'm going to trust to get another quarterback in here? He's brought three quarterbacks in and then his goddamn team, and none of them have gotten a job done for us. So should we allow him to give us quarterback number four, A-Dub? No. Hell no. <laughs> I don't trust that at all. No. No. We shouldn't. So I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying because, look, the line was hit with injuries, COVID, all that other kind of stuff. But – they have been struggling and struggling. And I put the blame on this on 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 um on pace. You know, we 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 can say what we want to say about about Nagy because it's true. Nagy has not gotten it done as a play caller, but I still think Nagy is a great leader of men. I agree. He has kept this team together because on other teams, it probably could have been a, a downright mutiny when it comes to the defense versus the offense. But however, the play calling in year three. It's not where it needs to be right now, A-Dub. I totally agree with you. And here's the deal with Pace. Pace brought in, right, Juan Castillo to help us out um, with the offensive line. And then as we move forward, the offensive line continued to get injured, right? And then you have what? (laughs) Then you have the the COVID hit it as well. And what you were looking for from Pace, not only just, you know, getting Juan Castillo, you were hoping that he also got some depth on the offensive line. And that is something that we didn't see occur, which to me is a problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem, man. It's a huge problem. This team right here, man, five and four. We're out of playoff contention, and we got a tough matchup, you know, coming up against the Vikings. Yes. We really have to look at ourselves in the mirror this week, Bears, and we really have to self-scout and figure this thing out. A-Dub, we're going to kick it over to our favorite segment for our fans. We're going to do some of our fan reactions. I want to get your thoughts on what some of our people were saying today. Okay. All right. So... Uh, the first fan reaction came from Notorious CMG. He called our offense. He said, it's pretty pathetic. This is how I imagine my dad would do if he played a game of Madden on Semi-Pro. <laughs> yeah, man. The <laughs> offense. 
<laughs> Our offense definitely was pathetic today. And matter of fact, that's the best word to use, pathetic. There is no way we go through this first half against Tennessee Titans, right, that we know they didn't have a great defense coming in and struggle to even score on them. That's on Nagy, and that's on Foles. I'm going to start with those two first, because they're the ham of everything, right? They're the ones supposed to get this figured out. Um, A-Rob is not throwing it to himself. Montgomery is not rushing to himself. You know, these are guys who got to get it right. Nagy and Foles, they didn't do a good job today. Hey, that's well said, man. I got nothing else to add on that. Um, <laughs> the next fan reaction comes over from Vince Mutolo. And he basically said, arena league office from a coach that thinks he's still in the arena league, dot, dot, dot. You know what? That's what it looked like. <laughs> he was making some kind of arena type plays. You can't do this in the NFL. An NFL doesn't play by arena football. You can you cancel all that, right? And I think the fan is definitely right about that. Our <laughs> offense don't look good with, with the play calling. I think, again, we talked about this earlier, right? you got to make the right play call for the right situation. And situational football, what you pointed out, is what Nagy has to do better in. And we saw that, right, with these plays he was calling. Ah, not good, man. Not a good time in either. Next one I got is from friend of the podcast, Doug Cole. And so he all he just said is, Riley Ridley, baby. Yes. Yes. It was good to see Riley Ridley out there. And his first catch was for 18 yards, I believe, that he caught against the first down. We're like 13, 30, 18, and he caught that big pass. So I was happy to see Riley really out there. Matter of fact, he caught a couple passes out there. It was good to see him. So you've been screaming this out, Fred, for a few weeks. Free Riley, really? Well, we freed him today. <laughs> we freed him, and he made a big catch, a hell of a one. Devon Williams did open up an opportunity for him, and he did make a couple plays out there. And I and I hope that we can see, continue to see Riley really uh, get an opportunity because – He's a fourth round draft pick. We drafted him for a reason. Let the kid play. Let's see what he can do out there. Well, so far what I saw today, he done pretty good. I, I like what I saw. Yeah, he was solid, man. Um, we had another uh, reaction from the Collins way. <laughs> and this one had me rolling. He said, I kid you not, Joe Biden is faster than Nick Foles. No cap. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will pay money to see that type of race there. I think, you know, Biden would take him. And you know what? It's just a shame, though, man. Foles cannot run at all. Matter of fact, I think Foles is slower than Tom Brady. So that's my take on that piece of it. Ooh. I'm sorry. I'm going to call it how I see it, man. I seen Brady at 40-some years old. It's <laughs> fine quicker than him. So um, Foles look really bad off the run, man. Very bad. Yeah, man. Not, be- not good at all. Our last family reaction uh, comes from Michael Niles, and he basically said, hey, guys, it's 30-13. Let's throw a pass to our running back two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Help us, George, please. Yeah, that was the play that I think that may have happened that caused uh, the fumble for uh, Montgomery, right? That's the play it sounds like that we did. I remember that play yep. there. And that was a bad play call. Like you and I said yep. earlier, it should have just been a regular rush. If you worried about yardage, right, that, hey, let's do a regular run play and see where we get that. Maybe we lose one yard at most, right? Or Montgomery get back to scrimmage. Lucy sets us up for a good field goal. To run that screenplay and try to do something with that was a bad play called by Nagy. Wasn't good. They were all over that play. They definitely were all over that. They stuffed that thing out. And I would just say this, uh, terrible play call, 30-13. <laughs> That's not what we want to see there. If you want to just set it up for a field goal, just run the ball and let's get off the field. Let's get the three points. I, I just, I hated the play call. It, it really was bad. Really Man, was yep. bad. Agreed. Man, he does. So, man, before we get out of here, man, I want to definitely uh, talk about our uh, November contest that we're doing, the trivia-style contest that we're doing for the autograph Khalil Mack football. Dude, I don't know about you, A-Dub, but it's been really cool to interact with our fans so far. We've had some really good games so far. <laughs> it's been really interesting. But I'll say this. So we've had eight games so far. We'll have another eight games next week as we're trimmed the contest from 32 participants down to 16 participants. So it's been really fun. And like I said, we definitely appreciate those that have signed up for the contest. Yes, sir. Also, for any of our listeners, if you guys like the content, please share our podcast with a fellow Bears fan. As you guys know, we're growing and we definitely want you guys to help us kind of get the word out about what we do here, especially if you guys are digging what we're doing. Uh, you guys wanted us to uh, add another podcast to the to the uh, to the catalog every week, so obviously you guys like what we're doing. So definitely 
please uh, share the word and kind of help us, you know, get the podcast out there a little bit. We definitely would appreciate it. A-Dub, five and four. It's going to be a tough week ahead as we uh, gear up for the uh, the Vikings. But nevertheless, let's go ahead and uh, sign us off, brother. Thanks for listening to the Barry Sanchez podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. On our next episode, we will preview the Week 10 matchup against the Minnesota Vikings with the special guest Luke Braun from Lock On Vikings and much more. Bears Nation, come bear down with us. Peace.